what it is, what's up, got your podcast in the cut, Intellisys, a societal podcast, and we're back with probably one of the more winding um, Auburn podcast, uh, podcast I'll be doing, I want to say video, I don't know why, uh, that I'll be doing, uh, I want to try to be in here for a minute, because this one's going to take a while, a lot of Auburn things have happened in the past few days, I kind of just blatantly missed uh something i've kind of touched on like as far as just like skimming through but it's just gonna be a comprehensive kind of look at a lot of different tidbits and outright things that have happened and kind of just kind of graded is it good or bad uh bama or auburn oh i want that to be like good or bad i'll just go good or bad i don't think people can People should know family means bad and already means good, but we'll just go good or bad. That's my greatest system. All right, so what we'll start with, I'm looking at Bleach Report right now. I have AU Family pulled up, and that was going to be my sources for information, as they should be for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Twitter might be more comprehensive, but we'll just go with this. So off top, Cord Sandberg is the transfer portal. Um, our last member of Cord will be the game... He played against Northwestern, where just a losing situation. Uh, first play, I think he had like a four-yard pass or a six-yard pass. Um, like a slant, something like that. They punted after that. And then the Nets... I want to say the Nets possession. It might have been the same possession. But either the Nets possession or the same possession, the Nets play... Um, he fumbles, like, he gets the hand, that's a bad snap, um, and then he, like, just, the guy, I think it was Shivers, gets, like, snatched up immediately by terrible blocking, gets grabbed, and, like, the ball, he can't get, but even, like, put the ball and tuck the ball in, so it kind of just, like, just popped out, uh, of course, like, looking at Shivers trying to, like, push him or something like that, the defender that had Shivers just, like, kind of, just jumps down and grabs the ball and Cords kind of looks at him and like taps on the head and like, hey, F you. And then that, that's kind of that's kind of the end of that one. So yeah, Sandberg's gone. Um I thought he was, you know, a guy. I don't I don't I didn't know why he gave him a scholarship from the first point. I don't understand I think what Gus was thinking, and this probably isn't the best plan of thinking looking back. I think he thought Malik's gonna stay there all four years and just be like pretty much a bench warmer. Uh, and I have any other aspirations. I think Gus thought he believes he could have had a 50 50 shot at keeping Joey for at least another season and that he would be able to get the replacement for Joey, i.e., another quality young guy versus a couple of veterans such as Malik and then let like way down the line, Cord. Um, but primarily Malik being the quality veteran, then Cord being like a breaking case. Um, but Obviously, Malik left, and then Joey left because of how that was handled. Gus had no genesis qual about either of those situations, but more importantly, um, Joey. And he had to get Shale, and then I believe Grant Lloyd later on. And the thing about those is that both, I believe, have COVID, from what I was told. So Cord became the backup, and just on reason of Cord have ever been given a scholarship, just a waste of a scholarship. And um, when, I mean, I know they pushed hard for Chandler Moores. They pushed hard for um, Robbie Ashford after the fact. I think he's already like gone to Oregon or leading towards Ole Miss, not Oregon, by the time that uh, 
they got back to Robbie Ashford. I think he could have been a take if they went for him off rip, but they did what they did. There's another one they kind of swung from the fences on. I forgot who, but pretty big quarterback name. I think they missed on him too. Um, he's on like the tip of my brain, but I just can't think. But anyway, they went from other quarterbacks and failed. So it was just a whiff. Sandberg's not much of anything, and hope he enjoys wherever he goes at. Um, number two, uh, Xavion Capers apparently had surgery. Didn't even know that, but. Yeah, apparently a left foot injury in that uh, game and had to go. Uh, pretty to me, he be he was pretty decent. Um, he was the number one out of the, the young guys, Capers, Kobe Hudson, and um, Canyon, who finally got some looks in that game. They pretty be number one in terms of who they was looking at to be first off the bench, so to speak, and. I hope he's able to get back right soon. Obviously, that's bad news, but it's good he's successful. Um, of course, Sandberg is like just okay news. Like it doesn't really matter one or the other. He, I don't think that, I don't think that Harson would have used him for much of anything. I think he probably asked him to leave too to some degree. So those are two pieces of news. Number three, definitely a pretty big one. I feel like. So we have. The top three receivers who per stat tiger, pretty decent page to follow if you really like to get into the nuances of Auburn or just football in general. Uh 2022-2020 Auburn receiving core averaged 15.3 receptions per game. The most school history from 1970 to 2020. Though they caught the most passes, they were 46th among the last 51 Auburn receivers in yards per reception. Now that tells me they were not getting any kind of just like I'm assuming that this is not yak yards after contact. I'm assuming this is just like when they're getting the ball. Like, like how how far is <laughs> I guess that the pass going? Like, if you have a 50 yard pass, then it's just 50 yards. That's what I'm guessing. Like, it's not if you got another 10 after that, just the 50 yards. So I'm thinking that. It's a ton of like three yard screens, like five yard slants, you know, ish like that. Which would make sense if like your eye test would tell you that Seth and I have a lot of deep plays. Uh, Schwartz had was missed on quite a few of them, and then Stove had a few passing attempts at, at those, a few glancing attempts at those type of plays himself, even opportunities to do so. Um, so if you were to look at that, you would think, okay, these guys were still studs, very talented individuals. You just need to get the ball to them deeper or let them get more yak if that's what the stat is abiding by. Either way, they need the ball in more optimal situations. Well, they won't be doing it because all three left into the NFL. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they all left. I believe most of us expected Seth would be gone and Schwartz was 50-50 with the 50-50. Slowly and slowly, um, going to the bad area uh, with every passing moment, especially after um, he just, I think, like, drove home uh, during the bowl game. They said it was COVID-related, but, I mean, we saw him leaving before we even heard about the COVID situation, so kind of, you know, what happens. Um, Yeah, a lot of people have their thoughts about Seth. You know, oh, he, you know, not a lot of effort, or you know, he 
not the greatest blocker sometimes, or you know, he talks a lot of ish, but sometimes doesn't back it up, or you know. Could have been better for another year with a real offense. I mean, here's the thing, man. He said he's supposed to be day two, dude. And he probably had the talent to be a day one guy. I mean, does have the talent to be a day one guy. That that's fair. Okay. But here's the thing with, with Seth. Had a ton of situations with this with two in two years, or three really. Um, where he was the best receiver on the um, in the game, and did not get looks like maybe one of his opposing receivers on the opposite team got. We look at him uh, in that 2019, either Iron Bowl or the Tiger Bowl, whichever one you want to pick. You look at those two games, and you see like these. You know these well-defined like rub routes and uh, and like post routes uh, over the middle and like isolation situations, like creating isolation situations versus having to force them. Um, and you look at the way that the, the quarterbacks are throwing the ball to him, like like you look at Chase. Chase is getting it above to where only he can make a play on it. Like even the quarterback couldn't make a play on it. When you look at um, Devontae Smith, like getting a chance for Yak, like getting in stride, or Waddle getting in stride. Uh, obviously, this year, I mean, it was just crapshoot. Um, I, I think that weighs on his mind. Like, sometimes you just get beaten down too many times to really want to believe again. And then you can describe quite a few of our players that are leaving or been rumored to leave because of that. Um, Schwartz, I mean, just slant or slant, just brutal hit after brutal hit. It's hard to sell that person coming back to take more of those hits, even though they know it's a new system. It's just hard to just go back to doing that. And whether or not people want to hear it or not, um, the quarterback, a lot of people are not able to separate what they thought of Bo a year and a half ago to where reality has Bo at this moment. Bo has a ton of errant passes. A ton of errant passes. A ton of badly placed balls that even on well-designed plays ruin the end result of those plays, whether it be, a you know, just being able to adjust to the ball, the ball being wildly off-placed, or not being able to get yacked because of the ball position. And you see that yak situation with football a lot. Uh, it happened with Shader Jackson at Iron Bowl and it happened, almost happened with Canyon in the Northwestern game. Uh, had to do like another circus catch, kind of like Shedrick did. Uh, but he stepped on the guy that was making ground on him and turned what should have been an easy touchdown to one of the more impressive athletic touchdowns. But again, it should have been easy. Uh, both struggles with hitting anybody in the stride. He struggles with his footwork. He struggles with his touch. A lot of those things are things that, as a junior, should have been figured out by now. Um, can they be worked out? Yeah. I mean, guys can improve, obviously, in the last two years. But it's hard to ask receivers that have already been very beaten, especially in the, the case of Seth, who's played quite a few injury-played games just for not much in the way of Bo helping him out. Um, and Schwartz obviously taking a lot of hits on you know sweeps and et cetera, et cetera. Even Stove, who's played for six years and played with multiple injuries, 
Um, those guys have been wanting to see, I'm sure, greener pastures for a while, whether it be transfers or just going on, uh, moving on to the next level. And they didn't. I mean, Seth had no reason to even play this. Well, I, I don't say no reason. I mean, he he was probably one of the more prime to benefit from a more developed passing offense. But I think he was pretty much a, a late second round, early third round guy coming into the season. So I don't think his stock really rose from what happened this season. He could have probably figured that out after the South Carolina game. Although I wouldn't have looked for him because he got shut down by uh, J.C. Horn. But the point being, you could kind of see that the passing game wasn't going the greatest at that point. But he did. He played the rest of the season now. He even played a meaningless bowl game now. Then didn't matter to anybody except people that don't understand that bowl games don't matter to players. And in a cold year, they don't really matter much in terms of people in this town. So it just was a useless game. So I think it's I think it's good for them. It's obviously bad news for Auburn. Uh, and I think it's also good to show that we do have a coach who's going to, as we want, as we want, develop young guys. This is going to suck in the meanwhile. And for a lot of people, a lot of people thought 2021 is going to maybe be the, the grandstanding performance. You know, get all of the those guys back, get Roger back, get a couple offensive line back, offensive linemen back with real development, get taken another year. You have Shivers and you have all those guys play. A lot of people was like pinning 2021 as this. If it's going to be a title year on the Gus, this is what's going to be. Now, probably rebuilding year more than anything. But I mean, sometimes you got to rip the band off. Like, this is going to show one way or the other that these guys can get the most out of young, talented receivers. So I think it's bad, but it's also good. It's primarily bad, but it's also good. So going from there, um, We'll go to the strength and conditioning coach. That appears to be the next biggest news. So Jeff Pittman, um, guy from Boise State that coached with Brian Harson. Now the strength and conditioning coach here. Uh, replaced Ryan Russell, who's been, I, I think, was the first official uh, Auburn coach he let go. Uh, what's his name? Brian Harson actually did. Interviews, like formal interviews, not not really interviews, but like discussions with individual coaches. Uh, I think it was now two days ago. Um, kind of got those out. And training conditioning appears to have been something that Pittman has done from the jump. Uh, I, I think that, from the best I can tell, Ryan Russell, a lot of people were really swore by him as a talented individual at his job, but just kind of had. Uh, a tough deck, so to speak. A tough, tough card. He's been, he's been handed a tough situation. From what I understand, Gus had him make guys leaner and smaller on purpose because of the speed aspect of his offense, uh, the hurry up no huddle. And with that not being so much of a pronounced part of our game in the latter half of his tenure, um, yeah, I, I, I think Ryan Russell is good at what he does, but unfortunately, he just was let go 
for a guy, I would think that he was let go, period, because of just cleaning the house. But I also think Harrison trusts his guy more than he trusts out of town, dude. I don't, you know, I can't say this is good because of how reputed, I think it's what I'm using, reputed, reputed, the reputation that Russell has. I mean, when you look at the response to this, uh, everybody loves Russell. I mean, even the people that don't like Gus and didn't like the way Arthur's line looked under Gus, people like Ryan, uh, period. So it's kind of hard to, to, to find a balance between this. Apparently, uh, the offensive line was pretty good. And I know it's, you know, strength conditioning is more than that. I mean, you look at some of our, our defensive linemen and in the back half of those games, usually pretty dog tired when playing a good team. Uh, sometimes our linebackers, you know, look like small or sometimes play small. I mean, physically it might be small. So it shows up in different ways. But I think I think that uh, Russell was very good. And I'm hoping Pittman can be uh, comparable. But if you want to say this is kind of a nepotistic hire or a guy and I want to take too much of a risk outside of the people that he knows well, okay, sure. But hopefully Harson at least has a quick trigger if this fails. So I would say that's a bad, but we'll just have to see, I suppose. Uh, going from there, uh, how long have you been going? 17 minutes, okay. So I'm looking at this article. One five twenty. Oh well, no, this this is a tweet. The tweet was on the same day, literally in the middle of the Northwestern game. I called Cuba. I'm told Arbor interim head coach Kevin Steele will not return as a staff uh, next season. And then the fifth, which was yesterday, I'm recording at two a.m. on the sixth. Um, it was proved by Cole Cute, not Cole Blue, JG Tate that Kevin Steele will officially not be coming back um, in any capacity. He's gone. He's out of here. That's, that's, that's tough. You know, you, you hate it for him. Um, good coach. You know, not great. I think he's been very, very overrated uh, because of, like, I think I'm touching this a different one, but very overrated in part because of um, because of last year, 2019. And I mean, you know, what was a a trending upward, an upward trajectory that continued upward with him there um, and hit, like I said, a pretty high note in 2019. Uh, the LSU game, the 3-1-7 will always live in infamy and in, you know, certain areas for me because uh, <laughs> of how effective it was. The only effective defense has worked against that LSU offense, period. Um, but I, I just think people forget a lot. I mean, 2018, Mississippi State game completely outcoached in every facet against a quarterback who could even throw. Um, that same year, the Georgia game got pushed around by their running game completely. You can say whatever you want about departures or not having an edge rusher like Holland anymore. Completely. I mean, they knew Holland was gone. It had a complete offseason. And it was three years later, 2020, still never had a Holland replacement, never had another elite edge rusher. That falls on him and Rodney Gardner's shoulders, who I'm sure will also be gone. Um, possibly not, but more than likely. Um, schematically, the press 
defense against everybody. Uh, period. I just I don't know, man. He ran press against everybody, and it fell against Alabama every damn time. Against good receivers, the press uh, against elite receivers, I should say. And you, is there always defense elite receivers? No, not always. But the the good, the, the best, the top tier guys that came still being paid by don't do that every time. Every time it's Alabama, we never had an answer. It was. I feel like they didn't even know how to play zone because when they would play zone, it would just be taunt and ran past. And I'm like, that's not supposed to happen on a zone. I just don't, I don't get that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to come still. A lot of people that came out and support, a lot of players have come out and support of him. Uh, not a lot of people, but a lot of people that have played for him came out and support him. Um, so, shout out to him. Unfortunate that it went down like this, but he deserved it in part, in my opinion, because of the whole uh, treason that they basically committed him and Gardner. If there's any kind of legs to that rumor whatsoever, he deserved to be gone off of that. No one deserves to remain employed after committing treason against your boss. No matter how good you are, there's just nothing that can be said for that. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think that's about it here. Uh, quite a few pretty heavy uh, you know, little nuggets of news here. Uh, been fun. Been a fun uh, little offseason for us. All, all of our uh, hobbies that, that followed this news favorably. We've had our, our feel, and I think it will probably slow it down as we get close to February, but offensive line coach, apparently Brad Bedell, uh, BSU's head coach, went, or offensive line coach, when uh, Harson was there, it seems like I'm reading this off of an article um, on AU Family. Two four seven staff really seems to think this is going to happen as a J boy. Boise fancy one gone, but four out of his five of his office linemen were all conference this year, so he might share online duties. A two four staff member implied the OCs talked with have OL guys they want to bring with them. The coach and lineman seem to be a TE slash COOL coach to share some type of responsibilities. Um, not really high on him. This is what the guy says that posted it. Not really high on him if he's a pole type analyst, analyst or small role, maybe. We'd have a bigger online recruiter, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, yeah, uh, NFL do NFL offensive lineman. Um, someone, the guy that posted brought the Boise State fans and went and gone. I think I might just end on this because the, here's the thing: the Boise State fans and all that nonsense. Boise State fans are delusional about some of the coaching prospects they have out there. Here's the thing, man. Here, 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 just think about this for a second. These guys really believe in Kellen Moore, who has gotten what two seasons as a you know NFL guy, two seasons pretty much past a graduate student, uh, assistant. With a quarterback's coach, officer coordinator. And it's like, these guys think he's Chris Peterson because he hasn't even gotten head coach work yet. They think he's already Chris Peterson. And I think because he's pretty much the largest name out of that Chris Peterson crop 
um, pretty much the largest dude associated with him, I guess outside of Carson, but you know, pretty much Kellen Moore, biggest name. Um, I, I think Carson did overachieve. I get that. I think with the talent he had relative to his conference, probably should have been winning at that close to that Pearson level in that conference every year. Um, has not been Boise State has not been one of the five or well, one of the four or five best um, uh, power five program or group of five programs for a couple of seasons now. Uh, one of the four, they definitely look like not in the top seven or eight this time. This has been a very strong group of five year, but typically not in the top four or five in the past few seasons. That's something they were marked against him, but it's really just pretty much a one everybody out there, everybody from that that court out. And I just don't I don't I don't know about that. I mean I just think people are reading too much to what they're saying without doing their research onto why they're saying it. That telling more thing, I, I mean I can't I can't even like take their opinion seriously, in my opinion. Um Boise fans claim the O line got worse since he got there in twenty seventeen. If that's the case, I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, I, I, as this dude was saying in reply to that, office line coaches tend to get the most uh, beatings when things go bad. Boise uh, State was on probation last season at 8-4 year. So, yeah, um, I, I don't know. Jeff Grimes, who I think a lot of people wanted, is not coming here. Um, Jack Bicknell, I liked him a lot. Uh, he was very, he seemed to be very talented, uh, pretty much a young stud that could be uh, a talented prospect here. Uh, it definitely appeared to be a talented prospect in making. Um, I don't know, they could have him in some position. That would be cool. I don't know how they would be able to do that. Because, I mean, as I, I mean, there's only so many staff positions you can have. And I don't think, I don't see why Big Nell would demote, be demoted from offensive line coach to analyst or whatever the hell, like a um, Butch Jones type position. After just a one season, you know, it would just be optically a bad look. But if he wants to do that, by all means, it's up to him, I suppose. But I like to hire then. I like to hire now if they want to retain him. Um, Bedell, this, you know, retread, maybe. Uh, may, maybe you say, okay, Brian's trust is going on a little bit too much. Yeah, maybe, but if he, as long as it's like it's a co-oil, co-oil situation, which you get a bigger name, I don't see why anybody would have any problem with him. Uh, I think this is a neutral, I don't think it's necessarily good if they bring Bedell in. Uh, if you can get Bicknell back in some capacity, that'd be nice, but again, it's, his staff is, you know, if he wants to move on from him, by all means. And just one more thing on the way out. Um, Jay Boy, who I don't put much stock into, um, never, or I won't say never, but I have not in quite a while. Uh, he has been pushing the barrel to carry Dell McGee from Georgia to Barrow, Barrow, Will Barrow, Barrow. The Barrow of Dell McGee from Georgia to Auburn, his alma mater. I don't know how feasible that is. You know, people wanted Del McGahey and Tracy Rocker for years and years and years. And I think those are two that just seem to consistently escape Auburn. Um, Jeff Grimes is another one people wanted. He obviously escaped Auburn once more. I think he went to Baylor. 
So I, I don't know if it'll happen. If it does, it does. I hope it does one day, but we'll see, I suppose. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I just... Delvin Gahey is the best running back recruiter in this region. I believe that's just a fact of the matter. Uh, I think this year is just a bad year for them offensively, especially the passing game. And even when the passing was working, I know the running backs didn't come through for the previous last game. But Cincinnati has, has a crazy like philosophy with just making sure that you don't get anything easy across the line of scrimmage. Run the ball, quarterback draws, whatever. You're going to earn everything there. They blitz a ton. I mean, it's, it was a mismatch, I suppose, for what was a statue quarterback who, with the way Cincinnati's DBs played against guys not named, um, that turncoat five-star, whatever his name is. They, they're locking up out there on the outside for the most part. So maybe it's just a mismatch. But Delvin Gahey, if they could finally get him, a lot of people seem to think he would be their return of running back you for Auburn. I personally believe he'd be at least better than most guys we could get. I still think Cadillac was a hell of a recruiter. It seems to be a pretty decent developer. But if you could get Cadillac and Del McGahee, I mean, sheesh, bro. Anyway, that's going to be it here. I hope you enjoy. Uh, damn near hit my 30-minute mats on the dot. Um, if you can rate this on any general podcast outlet, please do share it. Give me some kind of feedback. I know it's pretty long, but I just want to cut the ish. Talk about Auburn for a while. You know, I love talking about Auburn. Um, sometimes I don't get the time to do it because I'm just here to there to do other projects. But hopefully, I'll enjoy it. Peace.